May I speak in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. When Sarah asked me if I would preach today, I had no idea what the readings were. And when a few days later I looked in the lectionary, I found the gospel was the same as the gospel at midnight mass and recalled David's sermon from just a few weeks ago. So why, I asked myself, is it being repeated again today? And after reading all the three set Bible passage for today's Eucharist, the penny began to drop. In the Old Testament lesson from the book of Proverbs, which we haven't heard this morning, but it's that great work of wisdom. It begins, the Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of long ago. Ages ago, I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. I was beside him like a master worker, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the human race. In this wisdom literature, we find Jesus, the word, and the wisdom of God. And then in Paul's letter to the Colossians, which we have just heard, in which Paul seems to attain the highest reach of his theological thought in order to squash any heretical teaching in this church. Christ, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In other words, Jesus Christ was the Father's instrument in creation of the universe. Jesus, the Son of God, is the beginning of creation and the end of creation and the power who holds creation together. He is the creator, sustainer, and final goal of the world, and he shows us what humanity is meant to be within it, the image of the invisible God. Jesus, the word, and the wisdom of God. And then comes that beautiful, enigmatic introduction to John's Gospel, written probably some 40 years after Paul's astounding letter to the Colossians, but written in the light of his three years' experience of following Jesus as one of his disciples. John tells us, Jesus was in the beginning with God, all things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. He came into the world, 
and the world came into being through him. Once again, Jesus, the word and the wisdom of God. And it seemed to me on reflection that the clear intention of each writer then is to unequivocally emphasize that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, was there at the very beginning of creation, however and whenever, whenever earth began. Perhaps we might be forgiven if we sometimes think that chronologically, Jesus' story begins in the other Advent Christmas accounts that we hear and know so well. These three theologically profound Bible passages tell us he was always there in the Godhead at the very beginning of creation and he will be at the end and as he is now in our day and age. He is the same Jesus who speaks to us today, the one whom we can trust with our lives with whom we can share our deepest thoughts, hopes, and desires. The one who calls us to love as we are loved. Oh, how great thou art, my Lord and my God. We can hardly imagine just how glorious, wonderful, and powerful God was, is, and shall be in the life of his creation, the life of this planet Earth and the life of the universe. As the book of Job puts it, he performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. I guess today's theme is summed up by Jesus's own words in John's Gospel. Before Abraham was, I am. A very puzzling statement, one that used to perplex me somewhat. And the Jews with whom he was discussing his messiahship thought he was stark, staring, raving mad. They couldn't get their heads around his divine identity and his sonship. And it isn't easy for us either. Time, infinity, and the eternal are never easy to comprehend. But that is what scripture is telling us and asking us to believe. Those incredible statements of Christ's being. So now that we are renewed in a more sound creation theology, perhaps like me, you're wondering what Jesus thinks about our present state of affairs. When life as we knew it is changing even more rapidly than expected. The release of excessive carbon dioxide has already done too much damage to nature, land animals, sea creatures, weather patterns, melting glaciers, and with all the knock-on effects of climate change, and climate injustice. And any one of you 
who watched The Perfect Planet on BBC One TV last Sunday, couldn't fail to be shocked by the extent to which we have exploited and damaged this wonderful planet and are continuing to do so. If I had the mind and heart of Jesus, I think I might feel very disappointed, to say the least, at our failure to agree globally on ways to implement selfless changes which will benefit us all. God does not call us to be greedy, to exploit and destroy our world. Definitely not, because he has given us the responsible task of being good stewards, good co-creators, who understand and practice sustainability, enhancement, and generosity in gratitude to the one who has given us so much. As followers of Jesus, we should be conscious to whom we are and shall be accountable. Even though it is a global problem, there are many small things we can and should do. So we can do our small bit, even though it doesn't seem very much. And Lent will soon be upon us. So perhaps this year, we could all do that, just that one small bit, or that extra little bit of help that might change the ways we are despoiling our world. Little things like planting bee-friendly flowers, maybe making a pond in your garden, planting a tree, grow some of your own fruit and vegetables, change to an eco-friendly energy supplier, limit your use of plastics if possible, and recycle even more than perhaps you do now. Think of the air miles before buying exotic things fruits and vegetables. And if you need a new car and you can afford it, think electric, not petrol or diesel. And if you want to take action to another level, support Christian Aid's campaign for climate justice, details of which will be on their website. But above all, pray ceaselessly for God's marvelous creation that he will raise up those who have the motivation, the brains and the knowledge to develop new ways of sustainability and the charisma to encourage each one of us to do all in our power to renew the, to renew the face of the earth. Christians worldwide could make such a big difference. And there's going to be a crucial meeting of the United Nations in November this year for climate talks. The shorthand for that meeting is COP26, when our fervent prayers will be most needed. So please do keep a note in your diary to give it priority for your prayer life. And again on BBC TV, the Winter Watch presenters 
ended their last program recently by Chris Packham saying, we are all accountable for our use and abuse of this wonderful creation. Well, I thought there's something very missing in that statement. I would say, and I hope you would all agree, we are all accountable to God for our use and abuse of his wonderful creation. Or maybe as Psalm 115 puts it, the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has entrusted to his children, you and me. Amen.